This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. That was the most disgraceful dog shit performance from a Penn State football team that I have seen in at least 15 years. Me too. Sean Clifford is a James Franklin is a Lamont Wade is a the entire team, please bleep those out. I have a really good government job that I really like. I'm <laughs> fairly intoxicated. Um, they are a completely rudderless, leaderless team. They, anyone that's an upperclassman has underperformed their expectations. Uh, they have no sense of reality, as we saw with celebrations from Jason O.A. and Brandon Smith when they made good plays when they're down four touchdowns to one of the worst uh, defenses in the Big Ten. Uh, I am. We are recording this before the James Franklin and other players talk to the media after the game. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be maddening. Oh, yeah, we got to play better. We're focused on Nebraska. This was... Because, again, I don't count any loss in... 2012 to 2015 against the Nittany Lions. Sure. Worst loss right. since I was like 12 years old. Uh, and they didn't seem to care. They didn't seem to care. They had no spark. Sean Clifford is the worst quarterback since at least Rob Bolden and probably before uh, as a second starter. Um, this This is the most maddening team that I've ever watched. And that includes those horrible teams in the early 2000s when I was just starting to become a fan because at least you know they would go out there and they would play their hardest. And this this team sucks. And so that's the debate we will have. Whether this team we are watching this year in 2020 that has averaged a ranking of 10 in rivals recruiting classes over the last four years is better or worse than the Penn State team that went 3-8 and in 2003 awesome so with that grab your pitchforks your torches and a canister of gasoline it's the obligatory psu podcast mother this is the obligatory psu podcast presented by happyvalley.com you've listened to all those other penn state podcasts now listen to another one did you watch the game brandon yeah, I actually, Kevin, I actually got, to, I missed like the, I mean, they were down, I missed like the first series. So they were down seven, nothing as soon as I turned the game on. And uh, basically it was just a drubbing all the way through. I, I, I am, I'm almost, I'm literally, I don't know what to say. Like, I really, really don't know what to say. I, I am, uh, I'm always cautious to, to critique and criticize the players, right? Because they are younger guy. They're no. 18, 18. No, 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 no. Just let, let me go here. Let me go, right? And uh, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I mean, look. At the end of the day, they're 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 frauds, is what they are. Um, I, I really I really feel like they're a bunch of fake tough guys, right? They're 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 not. I don't know how much they love football. Um, I, I felt absolutely terrible for Matt Millen having to call that football game today and watch his alma mater 
just absolutely um, be exposed. And, and I think that it, that that's the most disheartening thing, right? At the end of the broadcast, uh, I don't, I don't know the woman's name that he was doing the game with. Um, she mentioned that over the course of their pregame meetings with, with the teams um, that, that they had said that the Indiana loss, they feel like they've got a hangover from that, right? That they're su- they're disappointed that that happened. And then they lost to Ohio state and they're disappointed that, that happened. So that, that, if that's really the case, that tells me that we've got a locker room full of kids that don't know how to deal with adversity, that don't know that have gotten everything given to them, that have been told how great they are for the last couple of years, uh, you know, and ridden the coattails of some really good football players and some big wins. Uh, and now they don't know what to do with themselves, right? Everybody's dealing with the same shit right now. Everybody's dealing with a weird off season. Uh, you know, no, uh, everybody has guys that get have been hurt. Like every, I mean, everybody's dealing with the same things in football. And to me, this is a this is a leaderless team. Um, and and there, there's a part of me that goes, you know, that that you know, there's a saying in football that that the team takes the the personality of the head coach. And and I I don't know what we got right now. I, I'm and I like James Franklin. I do, and and I like. Um, he's always been great to me. He's always been, uh, you know, welcoming and, uh, and, and spent time with me and, and any of my family that comes in the building. Uh, but right now, man, like I, I and it's more of a question of me to like the kind of people they're recruiting, right? What kind of kids are we putting on the football field right now? Right. Cause that effort right there, man, that was, it was embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. You know, like I, I would, I would hate to be in the NFL right now because the locker room would absolutely. There was nothing worse than losing a Penn, <laughs> a Penn State loss on a Saturday, and then having to deal with it the rest of the week in the locker room. Um, and that, that was, I mean, that was embar- embarrassing. Is the nicest way I think I can put it. And since thankfully, um, I did not drink any bourbon today. That's what I'm going to leave it at. And uh, and my TV, Kevin, that was a great tweet. Uh, my TV is. Still in one piece, mostly because I didn't have anything really hard to throw at it. Good for you. Um, and uh, <laughs> so in, instead, I, I nudged one of my dogs away from me for a moment. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, look, it, it, embar- embarrassing is the nicest thing I can say. And, and I was actually, so I was going to ask you guys, you know, looking back, and, and I, I, did, I actually did a little research as the game was ending there. And, try, you know, because I can't remember. I don't remember Penn State being O for ever, right? You know what I mean? And, and obviously it's happened before. And, and so, like, but I don't really – I think I think the 2001 and the 2004 teams were started O for or, or no. Or Correct. 2004 was the last time Penn State was 0-3. So, like, I was going to – I wanted to ask you guys what – those teams were like, and we don't, maybe that's something we talk about on the show when I drive up to state college tomorrow, but like, because I don't remember, I was playing football. I was actually going through a lot of health issues. I had three babies. You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember a lot of that. Um, so I think that would be a really unique comparison. Cause like I said, what I, what I saw on the field today embarrassed me. Um, there, there are a bunch of frauds. It goes back to me telling you what a bunch of horse, all those star ratings are. Um, and, and look that, and their, their five-star played better than our five stars, right? That receiver, there's a freshman, there's a five-star that came on and absolutely creased our the first three drives, right? Like that guy, that's a five-star, that's a five-star, 
That's what they're supposed to look like. That's what they're supposed to do. As a freshman, he came out there and ripped us. Rakeem Jarrett. Yeah, and that quarterback's pretty damn good, too. Yeah. isn't. And and so one more thing since I'm rolling here. Um, Clifford shouldn't have been in the game in the third quarter. No. And and this has nothing – I mean, he was was absolutely shitting in his hat. There's no two ways about that. But, like, at that point, you pull him not because of how bad he's playing, but to save the poor bastard. Yeah. Like you why, get him out why, of you, why wouldn't they do that? Why wouldn't they do that, Brandon? Why wouldn't they I, I think a lot of it has to do with, with, with a little bit. You know, Kevin kind of mentioned it in one of the texts, right? Like, the head coach doesn't like to be questioned by fans. Oh, okay. Right? And so, so now, like, it's a lot. You know, he doesn't want any of that controversy. I don't, again, I'm just completely – it's complete speculation. Because yeah. I can't come up with a reason why he was still in the game. Yeah. I absolutely – I have never seen that – I played with Ryan Leaf. I have never seen that bad of quarterback play in my entire life. It was embarrassing. And that's, because, that's because, Brandon, you don't remember Matt Seneca back <laughs> in the, uh, the 2001 season. To Thank your point. you. Yeah. But, but like that – Sorry, Matt. Me, he was – he held the ball. And I, I was actually – in another a Letterman's group thread, I was like – and I even mentioned it in ours, right? It's like – are our is our receiving core that bad? Is their defense are their defensive backs that good? Right? Why is he holding the ball for twenty seconds? Like they're he's not. he they're jerked not. that football off in the pocket forever. It, I mean, that was, one, it was insane. These announcers were terrible, right? And it was. Um, <laughs> what do you think? If you're Matt Millen, imagine, imagine, dude. If I'd have called that game, I have no idea how it would have handled. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, so... A hundred percent, you would have cussed on air. <laughs> that would announce- have been your last job. <laughs> the announcer you were talking about was Lisa Byington, and she was terrible. It's like Pam, like dollar store Pam, just like absolutely terrible. And Matt Millen, I actually usually like Matt Millen, but his he they just don't jive with Lisa Byington. Um, but he actually said at one point when like Clifford, for like the 10th time of the game, overthrew an open receiver, like... I don't. I, he, he. The quote was like, "I don't. I just don't know what to say." Right? Like he was disgusted as a letterman too. Right? Like John Clifford yeah. is horrible. He is bad. And like, look. I. I mean, I don't like. How little faith do you have in Will Levis or Taquan Roberson? They are not going to get. You know. You know. Going into the fourth quarter, you have a zero percent chance of winning the game. Like going into the fourth quarter, down thirty-five-seven. You have a zero percent chance of winning the game. Why do you leave your starter out there? Not only because he sucks, but because like he doesn't deserve to go out there and just get killed over and yeah. over and over and over again. Put someone else in who can you, give you, them snaps and develop them. You cru- dude, you crushed that kid's soul today. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. That is that is maybe not overcomable. Like that is gonna require a lot of time on the therapist's couch. Can I can I just point out let, let just to just to provide a counterweight. Matt McGloin threw five picks in the Gator Bowl. And everybody said that was it. That you you could not recover from that. And like Sean, he was a quarterback who was full of piss and vinegar and he had all of his best football in front of him at that point when he played the absolute worst game of his life five interceptions even though one of them was a Hail Mary at the end of the game so we should really only count four but I'm not trying to draw the comparison or anything but if you're trying to find like some sort of redeeming 
anything out of anything, that's Here, something you can latch on to. Go ahead, Kev. Chris, difference. I know. Go ahead. Wait, Devin, Devin you know, wait, Kevin, wait. Mike, I'm going to get to you. We're going to, we're going to, I want to hear your, your roses and your cinnamon buns in a second. Okay. Go ahead. has no, and this is, this is actually not James Franklin's fault or anyone's fault. They have no run game. Devin Ford had nine carries for 36 yards. They have no run game. He hits no holes. He breaks no tackles. It's a waste of time, right? He stinks. Uh, he wasn't. He was supposed to be the third string this year. So who can blame the guy? He stinks. So then you have to have Sean Clifford throw fifty-seven times, and he also stinks, right? I mean, Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson actually had decent games. Pat Fryermuth is Pat Fryermuth. Like the, the targets are like not horrible when you consider it's Jahan Parker and Pat. I mean, Sean hit them twenty-five percent of the time. And they know, and it's hard to get open when you know you're going to throw because your running backs all stink. It's a one-dimensional offense with a below-average quarterback and decent targets. That's what we are, and that in the Big Ten equals below 500. They stink. They're terrible, and that's it. That's it. You know, Kevin. After you you said you'd watch the Minnesota Maryland game, and each team's running back must average seven yards per carry. I thought they were going to run them to death, but I think the offensive line is the worst. It has to be bad. I mean, if Maryland knew they weren't going to run against them, obviously they're going to cover. But then, but it's still an excuse, Sean Clifford, for overthrowing so many people. You should have thrown shorter passes. I don't get. I don't know. Every pass was terrible. They the the other problem, and this this is classic what we do right like the defense was f-ing terrible defense so, is terrible offense so if if you're and you go back to like not being able to run the ball kev you also get behind by 21 points in seven seconds you don't have a choice right you got to throw the football down the field a little bit to try and get back in the game right the run game goes out the window pretty quick when you're down 28 nothing mm-hmm. and so when when your defense is as bad as we are right now um you know, again, it, 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 you're, we're not a good football team, right? I, like I, I said that I was going to, you know, withhold judgment until after this game, right? And we're a bad football team. Doesn't mean we can't get better. Definitely not going 7-0, and Bukanani. But we are exactly as Denny, Denny Green said, right? We are who we thought we are. And they're, they're bad right now. They're bad from top to bottom. And, and there's no excuses about, like, they're just not a good football team, which means they're not good players, which means they're not good coaches, right, which means they're not doing things the right way. It's a bad group. And you want to know the f*** all of it? Penn State outgained Maryland by 29 yards, and they, can, they had the time of possession by almost two to one, if you can believe that. I mean, it, and that's all – they only had the time of possession because Clifford would just take sacks or – the, the the nine Noah Kane or the nine Devin Ford carries they go nowhere. So Penn State at first downs thirty to sixteen against Maryland, right? But then you have three turnovers, and you can't establish the run. And it's it's it's, it's a bad team. It's a bad team, and I don't see any games on the rest of the schedule that you feel comfortable about at this point. Like like actually none, right? Yeah. Michigan State is terrible. Rutgers is terrible. Uh, Nebraska is not very good. But I don't – like, which of those is Penn State going to be favored as with the team they put on the field for the last three games? I don't – I don't know. I do not know. 
Mike, give yeah. us, give us, give us the Mike the Mailman bullshit optimism. Let's hear it because you're going to pick us tomorrow on the TV show to get, to win the next five games. I want to hear what magic roses and cinnamon bun what? nonsense you have to give us right now. If you remember in the last podcast, I said it would be over at half by halftime. It, sure it was. <laughs> it was over. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I did tell you that, Mike. I, 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 I Mike, you have a, a future in political consulting. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the way you can take the abject failures of your predictions and then spin them into uh, that, that you nailed it is actually quite admirable. Well done. Boy, oh boy, boy, oh boy! That's all you got, Mike. You, you know, nothing else for the fans. I, I feel bad that I've, I've led Chris down this road. He's. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Uh, well, I, 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 I am going to lay 100% of the blame at your feet, Mike the Mailman. Absolutely. You are a terrible influence on me, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I regret ever having listened to you about anything, frankly. <laughs> no, look, well, so here's the thing. I thought coming into the season, I had us at five and three because I thought we would lose we to did. Ohio you State. Did, yeah. I thought we'd lose to Ohio State. I thought we would lose our classic annual game to a less talented team we should absolutely beat. And then we would lose at Michigan. Now, I thought that game was going to be Nebraska, but we got it out of the way early by losing to Indiana. Then we lost to yeah. Ohio State like I expected. And I thought, okay, at this point, I'm going to look at the team we put on the field and I can go one of two ways. I can be doom and gloom and, and piss and moan and bitch and complain and say that the rest of the season is going to be bad. Or I can put my faith in the institution of Penn State football being stronger than whatever shortcomings exist in the locker room or in the coaching room. And the magic of the Nittany Valley makes this thing happen because I've seen it happen with Penn State football teams before. And so I thought, you know what? Michigan looks crappy, and they certainly do. This team showed some good things against Indiana and even against Ohio State. They certainly did. It's not outrageous to think it's going to take a couple of weeks for it to come together, given the coronavirus slowdown. I am going to take them to put it all together. And it was just obviously my faith was misplaced. After watching that game, unbelievable. Worst, worst team since 2003. And we'll probably touch on that more, Brandon. But the defensive line is useless. The linebackers stink. The secondary is unremarkable. The offensive line is terrible again, like always. I'm so damn sick and tired of having a crappy offensive line. Sean Clifford looks lost. His confidence is totally shot. Like you said, Brandon, I thought it was borderline abuse yeah. to leave that kid in after the yeah. third quarter. It reminds me of when Trace McSorley would go out behind our terrible 2018 offensive line on one leg and just get beat up over and over and over again. And you're just saying, my God, ref, stop the fight. Put Will Levis in there. Put somebody else out there. Give the kid a break. Sometimes in hockey, you got to pull your star goalie when yeah. he's not having a yeah. night. Absolutely. That didn't happen. Uh, running game, who the hell knows? We barely even try to run the ball in a serious way. The offensive line is awful. And Kevin's right. The running backs are probably also unremarkable. The play calling is trash. The coaching sucks. The team shows no fire. No creativity. No organization, no focus, no passion, no investment, no humility. This is a, a total and I fear perhaps irreparable mess. I, there is just no excuse for it. And we will get into what kind of conversations now happen. But that was one of the most embarrassed I have ever been to be a Penn State football fan in my life. 
and it does take me back in not in any way a positive nostalgic way to those dark years teams that were abjectly terrible they were just as much an embarrassment to the school and the program and the uniform and the coaches as this performance we saw against Maryland tonight. The only difference is, as I've mentioned before, Joe Pa had banked four decades worth of goodwill with undefeated seasons and national championships and million-dollar libraries and everything else he had done, and this staff hasn't. No. They don't have the wiggle room that Joe Pa did to stink like he did in his fifth decade on the sidelines. (laughs) James Franklin now has twice as many losses to Maryland as the rest of Penn State football for all of history. Damn. Mother I struggle, other than Trace McSorley, I struggle to think of any leaders that James Franklin has developed, right? I, I, leaders is sort of like a, a media term, right? It doesn't often yep. matter. Like Sean Clifford, not a leader. Any of these guys, th- these guys all, Pat Fryermuth is a good player, not a leader. All of these defensive ends that they say, oh, they're going to be top 10 in the NFL. They stink. They're not leaders. You look at any Joe Paterno team, any Bill O'Brien team, you just go down the roster, right? You know, even guys like Bill Belton, Deshaun Hamilton, like, uh, Stephen Obang Agiapon, <laughs> Alan Robinson, like Jordan Lucas, any any get, get, name any player that like started and like half of them, Akil Lynch, half of them like you know had a personality and they showed their personality, but they were like great guys on the sideline in the locker room and they really 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 cared about Penn State. And they wouldn't have came to Penn State if they didn't care about Penn State during that time. Right? To your Bang point, call. Kev, you said something Mike that. Paul. You said something uh, after we got out of the Iron Lions premiere last year. Adam Gress. And it hit like a ton of bricks. In fact, Goon has told me that he still sometimes sits and thinks about you saying this. We walked, that, we walked out of that movie. Zach Zwinak. I was just watching some highlights of the, of the uh, old teams earlier today. Remember that kid? We walked out of that Iron Lions premiere. Oh, and man. you said, if that happened today, if that same thing happened today, all the kids on the team would be gone, and so would the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It is, it's it's totally – and it's it's all across college football. So this is why I care about this less than I would have a decade ago. I'll end, I'll end – when we, when we end this, I'll end with my sort of like final rant about how I like don't care about any of this because if they don't care, I don't care, right? And the Penn State has set up their program to try to mimic any other big program – with all the bells and whistles, and if you walk by the Lash building right now, you can't get a parking spot because the whole parking lot's under renovation because they're adding a fucking water slide and who the hell knows what else they're adding um, to that building to try to get the best recruits. By the way, we don't get any recruits anymore. Who is that guy in the middle of the game, the, rec- the wide receiver the recruit that, that committed to LSU after Penn State? Oh, oh uh, no, uh, the, the defensive back, Derek Davis. Derek Davis. Penn State was on him for three years. He was their number one. Then he... He went to LSU and committed there in the middle of the game, right? Amazing. Uh, By the way, uh, Brandon just sent me this. Uh, Maryland just trolled us on Twitter. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw it. It's a great tweet. I don't yeah. care. Maryland can do whatever they want to us. Like, they actually well, have. Well, we earned it, right? That's the thing. If, if you let a trash program with no history and questionable talent come into your building and walk all over you and embarrass you, you deserve what you get. 
because you reap what you sow. And that's why, I mean, I agree with you, Kev. Like, I, I've said this before. Like, I am becoming increasingly apathetic about all of this, which is maybe the biggest indictment of what's going on in the Lash building. But, I, I, I mean, I, I'm emotional right now, obviously. That was the point of recording this now, so we could let all this out and let everybody have the same catharsis we're having. We're glad to have you here with us. I, I Look, if uh, <laughs> this has been a crazy week in America, and if you're listening, you're obviously a Penn State football fan. So if you're a Biden person, you know, hey, congratulations on at least getting one big win this week. And if you were a Trump voter, listen, this is a, a safe space for everyone politically because we can all be united by the misery of watching Penn State football this season. And there is no better time than the present Trump voters to accept the inevitable fact that life is a meaningless void. And tonight was a great way to get you over the edge if you weren't there already. That's so. Right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm emotional now. Let's let's just dive in. I, let's ask the question because it is going to be all over social media. I do not want to make any kind of pronouncements about like things like coaches' job status, especially not now when I'm angry, and probably not after three games. I've been saying over and over and over again, very very difficult to make any judgments based on this bizarre coronavirus season certainly not stopping the fans in ann arbor right now i will tell you that and it's not going to stop the fans in happy valley let me just put it to you guys there are some concerning systemic issues we have seen here and after watching the way this team played the lifeless rudderless performance from the nittany lions tonight they looked totally lost totally unprepared totally unmotivated, totally unable to get up off the mat as, as, a, as a collective, players, coaches, you name it. And, it, and it's not an isolated incident. Like this season is going down the tubes fast. It is circling the drain. I do think it is fair to have a conversation about was everybody who was on board with the Franklin regime, including myself, wrong? And do we have to take another look at it? Like I said on the last show, based on a critical analysis of new information. So at what point do you start having the conversation about whether or not James is the right fit for this program? And I have said that I will qualify it as the danger is you become Tennessee or Nebraska or Texas if you keep chasing the gold ring and getting farther and farther away from it when you've got a pretty good thing going. Kevin, go. Okay. Here's what James Franklin is, right? He's a good guy who's a culture builder who has made the program more modern than it's ever been, both in facilities, in recruiting, in the money that it's given to to recruit, to give to the program. Like that guy is a modern college football coach and he pulled Penn State into the modern era, probably kicking and screaming, but it's there, right? He's also a guy who has gone to three New Year's Six Bowls and won two of them yep. on sheer talent and heart of guys like Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley and Jason Binda and Marcus Allen and the rest. Okay. Uh, today in 2020, he is not recruiting well. He has no leaders and it seems like he has lost the team and he's annoying. As <laughs> right. As far as like how fragile he is with like fan criticism and the one and oh bullshit and 
any sort of like realistic outlook on the current state of things and his reaction, any sort of criticism. So like you look, you don't move on from him unless you know, you got someone lined up, right? Unless you go talk to a Matt rule beforehand and be like, Hey Matt, we got Ira Lubert ready to like fund your buyout. Like you're coming or someone of that caliber that has been a proven head coach that you know you're going to be able to get and get to come and do it. Like I'm like this. I mean, the defenders will say who could have predicted that you wouldn't have the best player on both sides of the ball. And that Sean Clifford would regress into like the worst quarterback in the big 10 after being a very good quarterback last year. That's what the defenders will say. And I think those are valid points. Um, but any great coach finds leaders and they find people to save the season and save the locker room in the worst of times. And I have no faith that James Franklin will be able to do that. None at all. Just the way that he lets his players, like I always harp on Lamont Wade, move on from him, but just like, all these useless sacks when you're down 35 seven and you just hop up and you get, you're close to getting an unsportsmanlike penalty flag. Like that's pathetic. I mean, that's pathetic. And I'm I think not that's- saying you can't let the kids wear earrings or grow goatees or wear ball caps in the building. No doubt. Absolutely. But, but when you hear Brandon tell a story about how he got cussed out for pumping his fist after sacking Steve Schnur for the third time in that Northwestern game, a game that we won going away. And then you see Penn State getting its ass handed to it week after week. And in the fourth quarter, we get meaningless sacks of a quarterback who has just made our defense look ridiculous. And we're getting it up and we're getting up and celebrating like we're Jay Alford sacking Tom Brady to end that Giants Patriots Super Bowl and kill the undefeated <laughs> season. Like that is offensive to it should be offensive to any football fan's sensibilities. And that is not some crazy like old man yells at cloud nostalgia for the Joe pod days. I, I think Look, that is well, a totally I, valid point. Hold on. There's 20, there's 22 players that start three of them, Pat, Jahan and Parker are worth the, the other 18 of them stink and they have not played up to their potential. They have not played up to their stars. They have not played up to their expectations. They stink and they don't seem to give a and they have no heart and they have no leadership and they're just totally lost. And it's on the head coach to, to not let that happen. Right. These are, these are like, these are great recruits and high caliber recruits that have come here and sucked. Right. Other than the three I just mentioned, how do you, how do you account for that? How do you account for that as a coach? And how do we accept that as fans? I do not know. I don't know. And it's frustrating to me because I do expect out of the Penn State football program to do the grand experiment thing, do the whole picture, develop the guys on and off the field, be winners on and off the field. And I am pleased by the fact that James seems committed to the spirit of that and does seem to do a good job with the players in terms of them not getting in trouble, keeping their nose clean, doing well in the classroom, graduating, go on, be contributing members of society, succeed in the NFL. We are putting a lot of players into the league. There are good things, right? I don't want to minimize those. 
but then it is frustrating to me that character development doesn't show up on the field, right? Like, it's not just play on the field. It's not just preparation and strength and conditioning and, 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 and scheme and strategy and execution. It's all of those things, and all those things are lacking this season inexplicably. It's like the wheels just all fell off at once. But the character, as it's reflected on the gridiron, is pretty questionable. So before I go on to either one of these guys, let me ask you, Kev, is there a record this year from Penn State that would just have you make the call like we've got to move on? Uh, is there a number? Yeah. Two, two, and, two and six, I think. Okay. Um, the, I mean, Penn State does not play a good team. I mean, they didn't play a good team tonight. <laughs> they don't play a good team the rest of the way. Like yeah. Michigan. Thankfully, at least Indiana looks like they might be okay. Like, I, I mean, maybe feel a little right. bit better. Not great, but a little bit better about losing to them. But this is, I mean, inexcusable. There is a basically 0% chance that Penn State plays a ranked team the rest of the way. Correct. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, if they don't I, – I don't see a game – I don't see, a, a, like, a, a winnable game, right? And I, we have Rutgers and Michigan State on the schedule. Like, if they play like they played today, uninspired, poorly coached, poor execution, they're not going to beat any of – they're not going to beat a single team this whole year. So – I mean, if they go two and six, you got to start. You, there's got to be some questions. And again, you don't fire the guy unless you have someone lined up. Like I'm sure. not, sure, I'm not of the Texas and Nebraska sort of like we're going to fire the guy and find like another coach the same caliber as him and keep this endless stupid cycle going. Like you got a Sandy Barber, who I don't trust to do any of this. By the way, <laughs> something lined up before they make a move, and. Um, you, you know, I did. I do remember saying last year, after Trace Armstrong, uh, who I hold a personal grudge against because he was a first-round draft pick of the Bears and he stunk in Chicago, and then all of a sudden got good when he went to the Dolphins. But anyway, Trace Armstrong, James Franklin's agent, put Penn State over the barrel because of the potential that the USC job was going to open up, and he played mega hardball to squeeze a couple of more bucks out of Sandy. And I remember saying at the time, I said, "That's it." Now, there is zero. There should be zero loyalty on the part of Penn State and Sandy Barber. They're going to play hardball with Penn State. That's fine. It's you know, it's a full contact sport on and off the field. But if this guy doesn't start living up to the position you have aggressively, antagonistically leveraged for him, then I think it is totally incumbent on Sandy to make a, you know, to slide into the DMs of Matt Rule's agent or Bill O'Brien's agents or, or whoever and just say, like, hey, what's your guy thinking about fall 2021? And just have those conversations. I think that's fair. And I, I wouldn't be opposed to having some off the record conversations this evening as we record this. Mike the Mailman, what do you got? It just seemed like uh, when all the time Brandon talks about Joe Paterno. The, the, all the players respected him. They feared him, and they played for him. And they knew not not to showboat, like you said. They're down like thirty-five to something, something, and they're showboating for making this tackle they should have made three quarters ago. I, I I just don't think the respect is there. I I don't think the I don't think the coaches have have a handle on these players. None of the coaches. I, I just know. I don't know. I think that Penn State became obsessed 
with chasing the elite tier of college football, which as we've discussed ad nauseum, is nearly impenetrable. And so we went after the same recruits that Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia and Clemson go after, and we didn't get any of them, basically. And so we settled for the next tier down. It's like we got the factory rejects, like pretty good, but all have something wrong. Instead of having this cohesive philosophy of what kind of players do we want to bring into the program and recruit our guys. I I thought those teams that we brought in in James's first few years when he was hampered by the perception of the program and the limitations of the sanctions, those teams not only performed better or at least as well on the field, they were a hell of a lot more fun to watch and root for. So that's frustrating. That is frustrating. Brandon Noble, what are you thinking? Well, I dug into the uh, cookies and milk, which is where I really go when I'm really upset. Not the bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Um, good man I uh so this this for me is is what it is and and I said I was going to kind of withhold judgment until they played Maryland and and they played Maryland and they're a bad football team in uh, a manner of speaking you know in in the strictest sense they played Maryland yes yeah right they, exactly they were on the field there were 22 guys in blue and white on the field that got their asses kicked by the turtles today um and and the thing that concerns me that with with coaching, right? Look, uh, I've I've coached college football. Uh, I'm a defensive coordinator now at the high school level, and and it's not easy. Right? Congratulations, by the way, on beating Downingtown West this week. Thank you, big we job. Absolutely, good job, Noble. On them finally, um, and it felt good. Uh, but but so to me, it's it's about how does how do the players react to adversity right so what's going to happen you know what what happens this week right and i think that the, like i talked about a couple minutes ago i'm trying to get this the right way um at the end of the broadcast when when the when the broadcast woman and 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 uh, matt millen were talking about what they'd heard from the coordinators and the coaches at Penn State about how they felt like the team was disappointed and the team was disappointed and they felt like, you know, they were wrong or whatever it was. The team didn't look like they wanted to play football tonight. No. And that, that to me is the scariest thing. Look, I can, you can, you can work on getting players better. You can, you can work on making your scheme better. You can do those things. You can get better clock management, right? But if you've got guys in that locker room that will not play through the tough times, you do not have a football program. And that's my concern. That is a reflection of the coaching staff. And, and here's why it's a reflection of the coaching staff, because they are going out and handpicking these young men, right? They are recruiting these young men to come play at our school and represent my football program. And they don't seem like the kind of kids that really give a shit about being there right now. And that bothers me. Yeah. Um, and so if that continues, then I do think we have to step back and say, hey, is this really what we want from our football program? Um, and the guy that's leading it, is he going to continue to recruit kids that, that are just wowed by the water slides and the Twitter follows and, and the love that they get at a whiteout, right? Or do they want people to come there because they love Penn State? They want to play at Penn State. There's a connection at Penn State, which is why most of us go there to play. Why mo- The college football experience is about the uniform. The NFL is about the money, right? 
and, and they so that is the that is the red flag to me. If the season continues, whether they win another game or not, um, <coughs> excuse me, one of those cookies went down the wrong pipe there. Um, but it's how they how they handle the rest of the season from an effort standpoint, from an intensity level. Do they show up to play every week, and do they play four quarters, no matter what's happening? That to me is when you make the decision mm-hmm. as to what you do with the coaching staff, and I and you give them the whole year. I mean, you really do. You you have to. Uh, he deserves it. He really does. Look, I'm yeah. What the hell is that? Um, made a bug or something with that cookie. Uh, <laughs> but you, you know, I, I agree with I agree with with you know what Kevin said. Right, the guy is he's taking us to the New Year's Six Bowls. Like he's won eleven games. You guys, I say it all the time. It's so hard to win ten football games yes. in the college football season. But the again, the scariest thing to me, man, is those guys did not look like they wanted to play football tonight because they've had a tough start to their season. And that talks to the character of the young men in that room, which to me talks to the ability to evaluate that character by the coaching staff when they're on the road. Don't get enamored by stars, right? Find the guys that want to play football. Find the guys that want to be there, the guys that love ball. Um, and you'll win a lot of football games. And, really not, will. and not for nothing, there are right. playing for other Northeastern programs, teams like West Virginia and Syracuse and Maryland and uh, Pitt and Temple. There were Pennsylvania kids playing really, really well who we thumbed our nose at because we went chasing the stars, even though we we're going to dominate the state. Well, and, and to and your the, point, Brandon, you and I talked about this. Those were all kids who grew up watching Penn State football and would have killed to put on a Penn State jersey. And now they've gone elsewhere in college football. Maybe they weren't as highly thought of by as uh, 24-7 or Rivals.com, but they're killing it for the places yeah. that wanted them and let them know that they were welcome there. It, it will be interesting to see if they – and I don't, I don't know that they will. You know, they have made this huge push – down into Florida, right? They've, they've hired coaches because they can recruit Florida. They sure. hire, you know, Florida kids don't travel well. Florida kids are an interesting group of that they'll travel, but they don't, they don't buy in all the time. They don't, they don't really kind of acclimate. Um, and, and I knew that when, when I coached, you know, when I recruited in the, at the college level and, and, um, you know, there are a lot of great football players in this state. And, and that's one of the things that I've, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of times from guys, you know, in, in these group texts, right? Is you know, we, we're chasing all the stars all over the all over the country. We're 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 down in Florida. We're worried about Florida when there's. I mean, there's some damn. The number one quarterback in the country, I think, in this class is right here in southeastern PA. Yeah, I think he probably lives in New York City because St. Joe's Prep recruits all over. The <laughs> but but yeah. he's here, right? You've got Nolan Rucci, who's here in state, right? You've got. You've got the Julian Fleming kid. I mean, there, there are some great football players in the state, but they came in with the idea of dominate the state because they had to, yeah. right? They had to because they couldn't recruit anything else because of the sanctions. And the minute that they got let go, they started recruiting stars and recruiting the country. Um, I don't well, think and they wanted one of those four playoff spots. And look, I guess my point is, and I've been kind of hitting this from different angles for about two years now, Maybe I don't want us let's – just, let's just let it go, all right? Maybe I don't want us to be Clemson or Alabama. I don't care if you don't go to the playoffs as long as you don't embarrass yourselves and, by extension, the rest of us against f***ing Maryland, right? Yeah. I'll take that trade. Here's – I got to go. 
so I'm in my apartment in downtown State College right now. I got to go downtown and 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 let some steam off. I, I will leave it at this, right? Like I tweeted this in the middle when we were down 35-7, right? When I was I started be I started knowing I was a fan when I was around 10 years old. Really knew when I was around 15, 16 years old. Uh you know, if I was age 10 to 21, 22, like this would have killed me. And now I just feel very fortunate to still be here in downtown state college about to go back down to downtown state college with a great student body and a great town and a great culture and sucking some of that Nittany Valley air into these lungs, which you can't get anywhere else and feel fortunate to have lived and worked and studied here for 10 years, more than 10 years now. And while football makes that experience so much richer and better for a third of the year, it's not necessary to enjoy the school and the town and the place. And if these guys don't care, which they don't, these guys meaning the players, uh, then then I don't either. And I'm going to enjoy my time in State College when I get it a couple days a week, three times a week. And um, if they lose to Maryland, lose to Maryland. And I'm going to fly out to Nebraska on Tuesday because I had to use vacation days, so I'm getting out there five days early. And I'm going to wear that stupid chipmunk logo on my shirt all five days. And I'm going to be very proud and very happy to do that. And um, even though they lost to the Maryland Terrapins, who stink, uh, that's that's okay with me. Um, I will – I. The, the biggest indictment of the James Franklin era, which also coincided with me like being like a real adult with like bills and shit, is like he has made me like not care as much about the results. And there I am. So I'm going to go down to the first, hopefully, if there's no line, and order whiskey shots and Red Bull vodkas until they kick me out and potentially make on time tomorrow to our television shoot. That's my goal, but no promises. Love it. Have fun. I've got nothing more I can add to that. I think that is a poignant way to finish up. Great. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this kind of emergency quick episode of the Obligatory PSU Podcast. We're going to be here with you on TV, on podcast, no matter what. Maybe this is just going to be a group therapy session of a different kind than we thought we were going to have when we thought there was no football, which at this point is a trade I would probably take. I think we should have probably just all respected the virus. I think we're all, you know, like we should have respected the virus and not done any of this. And so maybe we can get revenge on Nebraska next week for forcing us all to endure a Big Ten football season. So thanks, everybody. Please support what we're doing here on the podcast. Five-star rating, review, all that stuff. We'll be back with you soon. Take care of yourselves and each other. Through good and bad, we are. That was the obligatory PSU podcast presented by happyvalley.com. Like and follow at obligatory PSU. Every time you hit like and subscribe, like the mailman smiles.